Hi everyone, welcome along to Definitive Breaks here. I'm Tina and you're tuned into Radio Karen. On today's show, I've got a special guest. I'll be chatting with a colourful Ballarat-based poet, playwright and singer, Marty Monster. Here to speak to us about his latest theatre production that he's written and directed called The Wrong Horse. This play explores the mateship and codependency on these bubbling criminals called Noddy and Biggies, and it's based in the world of small-time crime in Melbourne. Welcome to Radio Karamati. How are you? Good, thank you, Tina. Thanks very much for having me. Oh, it's nice having you. Thank you um, for being on here. Um, this play sounds interesting and fun. Can you tell me about, you know, your theatre production? Very much so. Um, the Wrong Horse is um, based on the principle of two characters called Noddy and Big Ears. Um, they're in small time crime in Melbourne, and most small crims in Melbourne don't use their own name, so that's where I came up with Noddy and Big Ears. And most of the characters have got their names are Buster or Knuckles, mm-hmm. and um, it's a bit of the Sopranos feel. All the Sopranos had all those sorts of names. Um, so Noddy and Big Ears are just small time criminals. They they bumble their way through life, um, making mistakes, and by chance win fortune, and um, they. They commit crimes and um, sometimes they get away with it, sometimes they don't. Mm-hmm. And um, it's a comedy drama and um, it's very, very funny. Oh, wow. How, how did you come up with the idea of the play? Or the um, storyline? The storyline, I, I like... I haven't had any association with horses or the racetrack or anything like that, but I particularly enjoy writing characters that are codependent on each other. Mm-hmm. Um, one might be smarter than the other, or something. You know, people have different qualities and different aspects of them. You can bounce off, and I, I just like the that aspect of um, character development. That um, one character might rely on another for certain points and um and yeah they're codependent and um the racetrack and small time crime i've been fascinated by watching um shows like uh jack irish on the abc mm-hmm. um mr in between which was out of sydney um that small time sort of crime writing and um uh, i was just thinking about the author peter knight i think his name is Yes, might be. He was more about crime around Melbourne, mm-hmm. and um, okay. I and I like the aspect of that. Most criminals that are in jail are repeat criminals. They don't learn lessons. Yes, and these two characters that I've come up with, Noddy and Big Ears, they they seem to make the same mistakes over and over again, um, which is quite comical. Oh wow! So you mix comedy and drama in in the play. Yes, yes, so, it is. It's oh. a, it. So it would be quite fun. So you're a quite a um, humorous storyteller, Marty. I wanted to know, as it's called The Wrong Horse, is there much sort of gambling in it? In the first act, there is. The first act, they're at a racetrack. Um, oh, okay. Uh, that sort of sets the play, that establishes the character development. Um, all main characters are going to lead out through the, the uh, for the 
two acts, which is a three-act play. First one's got gambling in it, second one doesn't, and the third one is just uh, a... Uh, what would you say? I'm trying not to give too much away. Yeah. Um, they, they, they've got a they've got a task to okay. fill, and there's a theme running of the wrong horse through um, all acts of the play, and it always comes back to the wrong horse. Oh. Um, yes. Oh wow. And, and my motivation. Um, I'm not a writer, particularly plans a lot when I start writing. Mm-hmm. Um, I, write, I write on a stream of consciousness. Um, that comes from writing poetry and just prose. Um, and a stream of consciousness effectively that, that I, my keyboard just writes mm-hmm. itself. Um, I don't necessarily think about things. And um, it's just a, it's a great way of um, relaxing and writing mm-hmm. as a, a playwright or any form of writing, really. Wow, wow. So um, is it sort of based is, – is it based on a true story at all or – No. Uh, no, it's not. Oh, it, there's many stories around the racetrack that uh, you hear over times and there was one particular one back, I think it was 1983, um, was the Flying Cotton Affair um, where there was a syndicate that swap, were trying to swap over a good uh, – a quality horse with a horse that didn't run very well mm-hmm. and there was just a comedy of errors – um, they got found out and um, people went to jail because oh, um, they trusted two bumbling criminals to um, <laughs> disguise a new horse. Um, they woke up late and they were supposed to peroxide the legs of the horse and, and also put a diamond on its head. That's um, but <laughs> they, they woke up late, so they got to the, got to the stables and realised, what are we going to do? Um, so they used house paint. Um but when the horse went to race, uh, it started raining. Um, Did it so really? the stewards, the stewards started straight away, straight away knew that um, it was the wrong horse that um, that was running in the this particular race in um, I think it was in Brisbane. So it was there's a lot of um, fallout from it from the racing industry back in about 1983. Um, a lot of yeah, a lot of people were arrested because of the syndicate were organising the swap of a good horse for a bad um, and tried to disguise it. Wow! Wow! Yeah, um, yeah I, 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 I like I like the stupidity of um, small time crims. You know, they they just bumble their way through life and they make mistakes all the time and. Um, that's right. Yeah. That's right. Gee, um, that was um, like one of Australia's biggest racing scandals. Um, oh, it certainly was. Um, it certainly was. Just the Waterhouses were involved in it, and like um, Gay Waterhouse's father and brother, they, I think they went to jail. Um, so, um, yeah, it was very serious. Um, yeah, no one's tried it again. Yeah, and, and uh, something I feel bad for um, Wendy Smith. Was it the female jockey who, were, you know, had to give up most of her racing career or something? She got back yeah. from it as well. Very much so. Everybody got caught up in it. The bookies got caught up in it. Um, the trainers, you know, the stable hands, everyone was involved. Oh, my goodness. And fancy painting painting up a, a horse. Wow. Um, so um, can you tell me about um, the characters, Noddy and Biggie? Is it, you know, is there chemistry between them? Yeah, um, Noddy is the main protagonist. He he considers himself a quite a smart guy. Um, 
he he's not really, but he he's, he's a smooth talker. Um, he wears a suit, and um, you know people respect him as being a small time prim. He's not he's nowhere near you know a, a mafia boss or anything like that but he's you know he's good at what he does but he's not the smartest guy around um and he has his sidekick um big ears and big ears is not that bright he can't read very well he he relies on things he hears on the radio or the television for information about life and um and he's got an obsession with Tra- tracy grimshaw and a kind of current really affair <laughs> And he's got a crush on her, and so he listens to everything she says. And uh, um, I tried to use a lot of um, cultural referencing points in my plays, um, like Tarantino does with music and um, themes running through his movies. Um, I use music that trigger moments in my plays, and um, yeah, just colloquially Australian. And um, uh, this play has got a reference to Seinfeld, and it's all uh, to oh, write that really? way. Lovely, yeah. It, it triggers um, it triggers um, memories in people's mind as they hear things and they see things happen um, in a play. If there is cultural reference points, mm-hmm. um, so that's something I do. And music is a, a fascination of mine, and um, you know, in this. In this play, it's a, music's got a trigger in it. It means a lot um, to the characters and also um, the plan of what they're doing in in their crimes and that sort of thing. Oh, wow. Um, oh, yeah, I'm glad you've got music in it. Um, I should ask you what type of music, but it could be... Do you want to know? Oh, go on. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> I always like um, you may not know. Um, Harry Nielsen, everyone's talking at me. Everyone's talking at me. Oh, yeah. Did you know that one? No, um, no. Maybe. Um, like, it sounds familiar. It's from Midnight Cowboy. Yeah, um, yep. Uh, Midnight Cowboy was a film that won the Academy Award in back 1969. Mm-hmm. It had John Voight and um, Dustin Hoffman in yes. it. And Naughty and Big Ears are loosely based on this, the, the two characters in that movie as well. Um, they're dumber and dumber, effectively. Okay. Um, yeah. I was originally so, going to say, are they like a sort of Jerry Lewis slash Dean Martin type friendship, but they're more like a... Like you don't Marvel. necessarily get the straight guy. Um, yeah, the Jerry Lewis and Dean Martin, there was a, there was a silly Lewis and the straight Dean Martin. Yes, yes. Um, uh, I was always... A, Always um, had an emotional attachment to Jerry Lewis. I thought he was very funny. I love Jerry um, Lewis. I can remember watching his movies, you know, growing up every Sunday on the television. Oh, of course. Yeah. Um, and I, one thing I love Jerry Lewis doing is um, he comes out on stage as a like a um, concert pianist. Oh, really? And he's in t- tales and everything like that. And he goes up to a table. And he sits in the chair and he cracks his knuckles and everything. Um, and then he simulates typing um, on a typewriter. But it's beautiful, the actions. There's no typewriter there, but he beautifully dings it and all that sort of thing. It's just a, a visual comedian that is um, was brilliant, um, absolutely brilliant. Oh, wow, wow. Um, can, you, can you tell me about the um, other actors that are in the play? Yeah, sure. Um, the actors' names. Oh, well, the actors' in, names are yeah. So yep, who's not sure. Um, Darren Mort. Yes. Uh, um, Darren is quite well known as an actor in Melbourne, mm-hmm. and he's also a barrister. Um, Dom Phelan is big ears. Dom is just in Wog Boys coming out soon. Oh, really? He, 
Yeah, and also Tom doesn't like anyone to mention it, but he's the Aussie broadband guy with the hose where no water comes out. <laughs> really? I actually Googled Big Ears and I saw he's been in a, a lot of movies. He was in Animal Kingdom as well. and um, Yeah. Yeah, he's, he's a familiar face. Oh, he's a very funny actor. Um, he, he's a character actor. Anything you ask of him, he'll do. And then, you know, um, he plays a simple character in the in the play, which it's, it's endearing. And I, uh, that's what I like about the actors that I've chosen. Um, uh, the third actor is Ian Rooney. Mm-hmm. He plays multiple um, characters of a mafia boss and uh, – um, various roles like that. Ian is a very well-established actor in film and stage and theatre um, in Australia. He's been on um, Doctor Black Mysteries mm-hmm. um, years ago in Blue Murder, Blue no Blue Murder, Blue Healers. Mm-hmm. Um, so Ian Ian is a very funny man too, and it was sort of they everybody knows each other. Okay. Um, these um, actors. And I've got a, an actor called Helene Dunlop. She's um, yes. She's been in Melbourne for about five years. She's from France. Okay. Um, she was quite well known in France for film and um, stage. And now she's establishing herself in Australia in stage. And I know she's in a television series coming up soon as well. Um, and the final actor I've got is David Hugh McRae. And David is a stage actor, um, mainly in Melbourne. Um, he he's always busy. It's hard to get David, and it's hard to get all the actors that I've chosen. But um, yeah, I, I'm the sort of um, writer, producer, director that if I want an actor, I'll <laughs> I'll leap myself onto them and give them an offer they can't refuse. <laughs> Oh, that's really good. That's um, yeah. It's about networking, effectively, mm-hmm. in the theatre theatre world. And if you if you identify you like an actor, that they're, they're always happy to accommodate or fit in amongst their shows they're working on and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Wow, is is there interest in developing developing it into a, a film script by any chance? Particularly, yes, the wrong horse. Um, mm-hmm. I've uh, got a few, couple of VIPs, including yourself, coming on Saturday. Oh, I can't um, wait. I'm so looking forward to it. Thank you. Um, <laughs> um, the Wrong Horse um, is it's in three acts, so it can be a miniseries or it could be a film. And um, there's a few interested parties that are coming on at the play reading on mm-hmm. Saturday at La Mama Courthouse. Mm-hmm. Um, and we are thinking of doing it at the Comedy Festival next year and also maybe taking it to um, Edinburgh next September in 2023. Okay. Um, depends on the opportunities, whether if it's, it's taken up as a film or a project in that sense, it will go that way, but we'll do it on stage as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm planning on touring this um, partic- particular production um, uh, regionally around Victoria. Okay. So mainly here, the, the bigger towns of Geelong, Ballarat, Bendigo, yes. um, Castlemaine, um, go down to Frankston. There's great theatres regionally that you um, – there's always a willing audience for mm-hmm. a new script and yeah. – uh, yeah. Wow, sounds all exciting. Um, how, how long did it take you to write the play? It took me three weeks. Did it? <laughs> You're good. And when, yeah, well, was that during COVID uh, or when, was a? 
I wrote it in 2021, so I imagine okay. it was COVID. Um, but I'm a a very obsessive person. I when I start a project, I finish it within a very short period of time. Mm-hmm. I uh, write overnight. I, mm-hmm. I je- my writing and my most beautiful moment in my day is between 10 p.m. and 4 a.m. Oh my goodness! Um, you know, I put my head. It is. It's a beautiful time of night and um fortunately for me that i'm a full-time writer so i can catch up on sleep during the day but i um have my inspiration i put my headphones on and mm-hmm. listen to classical music or what form music that i might be listening to and i, I just write and mm-hmm. um and um yeah so i love the whole process of writing i've been doing it for a while now Wow. Gosh. Um, so let's start. So I want to know, can you tell me about your background, like your life journey? You know, where, you know, so I know that, no, you're, you're a poet and you've published two books. Can you tell me about them? Yes. Um, I, my life journey has been quite, yeah. I was just born after the moon landing, um, a couple of months <laughs> after the moon landing. <laughs> Did you want me to go back that far? or <laughs> Whatever you want. <laughs> Talk to me. So yeah, I was born just after the moon landing, mm-hmm. and um, I I've always been an alternative. Um, I was an alternative child, a different thinker. I'm one of five siblings, and I never sort of directly associated with my siblings. I had a different thought process mm-hmm. and a different uh, way of thinking, and um, I was a deep thinker as a child. And I know when I was about seven, I uh, went to my mother with $3.45, and I, I said, would you be able to send that over to the IRA to support them? Um, <laughs> the IRA? My mother didn't <laughs> – yes, um, it was about 1975 I, yeah. I had – this I had this thought in my mind that I wanted to go because we were Irish Catholics yes. and I wanted to support the IRA because I thought that was the next level past the church. And um, mum just gave me a stern look and I put my money back in my money box and, um, <laughs> and I, um, I didn't send the money to them. But um, I started reading poetry and listening to a lot of music in around about the age of 11 i um yeah. I, I was reading you know um burrows and mm-hmm. bukowski in my teenage years and um my music that i listened to i, I was absolutely uh, um obsessed with david bowie and mm-hmm. tom waits mm-hmm. and i liked that guttural feel of the tom waits and i like to bring that out in my characters too um and the poet and writer charles Bukowski writes from uh, that guttural aspect of life as Mm -hmm. well the horse track and the living in the gutter and all that sort of um it's very seedy and Mm -hmm. i think reading his poetry and listening to tom waits as a a very young teenager had a profound impact on me the way i saw the so well, the world's completely different than everyone else. And his husky voice. He is, but he's he's a romantic. Yeah, um, yeah. It's, he is um, certainly a romantic, but he does take you into the gutter, and it's um, you stay there with that uh, with a mm-hmm. particular song, and it takes you time to recover and get back out again. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what I I. Um, through through words, whether it's poetry or reading a book or even music, I get a, a lot of inspiration and the, the narrative in a, a song or, you know, the lyrics or whatever it might be. And that that's what inspires me to, to write too. Um, yeah. 
Did you did you and write what else? as a child? Did you write as a child? Uh, no, no. I um I did win a um a writing prize at the Whittlesey Show. Did you? Um, How old were you? I was about seven, and, oh my goodness. Uh, um, and I lived in King Lake at the time. I'm, my parents had three farms um, in King Lake and Tulangi, and my father dropped me off at um, the Tulangi farm on my own, and there was a cow in the apple orchard. Mm. I had to get it through a gate, and I was chasing this cow around the apple orchard for about an hour, and then I said, I, I prayed to God and I said, I'll put an extra 20 cents on the plate if the cow goes through the gate. And guess what? The cow just ran straight through the gate. And I, oh, it's an agreement between God and I. I didn't actually pay up. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, I, that's one of my sins. I didn't pay up at the time. Um, 20 cents is a, it was a, a bag of lollies, you know, for the yes. last year, the whole afternoon. Yes. And I wasn't prepared to give that away. <laughs> Oh wow! How sweet. So you must find writing really easy. So you never get writers not really. Uh, never get. Writers I didn't. Off. No, no, no. I don't. Um, I didn't as a child. I, 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 I did struggle with reading and writing when I was a child, um, and I did academic um, university. I studied to be an accountant. I, I did a CPA. I did an MBA. I. Um, ran my own consulting business in, in, the thir in my 30s for a while mm -hmm. and then at 38 I retired. I didn't want to be in the corporate world anymore. Yes. And then I went to Swinburne Tape and did three years of visual arts and multimedia. Mm -hmm. um, had a bit of a, a rest for a couple of years and did psychology, um, doing a psychology degree and then didn't want to do that and I thought, ah, my wife said, why don't you write? Mm -hmm. And that's when I, I've never stopped since. And that was about 2015. Um, yeah. Well, you found your passion. Gosh. Um, so tell me about the books that you've written. Um, do you find poetry hard? You know, how did, how did you start up as a poet? Well, that, that's the big question, isn't it? Um, <laughs> when do you become a poet? Um, I don't know. Maybe that, you've been... <laughs> Nobody actually tells you um, yeah. you're a poet now. What I did, I um, I started off trying to write poetry, um, and then I found that I was a storyteller more than a. Mm -hmm. I never, I've never written a limerick in my life, um, or standard poetry, or rhyming poetry, or anything like that. And I, I, I became a storyteller more than anything else, and I, I enjoy a good yarn, um, and that's what led me to in 2019 to write my first play, I thought, I'm a great storyteller and, and why not expand on that? And that's what I did. Um, mm -hmm. I, I, I run with themes in my poetry. Um, I've got a book that I released last year called um, Fruit Salad. Um, wow. It's a poetry book. Nice. Um, I, I released that in Melbourne at um, uh, a function called Passionate Tongues in Johnson Street, Fitzroy. Mm -hmm. Um, I had a theme night um, because in my the way my mind works is that I had pro, um, parables, fables, prose, and general poetry in the book. So I I thought that was a a mixed 
sort of fruit salads, you know, combination within the book. So fruit salad, in my mind, thought, hey, why not Carmel Miranda? So what I did is on the front cover of the book, I've, um, I, I'm dressed up as Carmel Miranda with a fruit salad really? headpiece on. And um, so at the launch, everyone had to come as Carmel Miranda and it was uh, I put some money on the door for mm-hmm. the best dressed. And, um, yeah, and I uh, last – Mid last year, I sold about a hundred books around Australia. Um, oh, yeah, it was it's, it's lovely to um, yeah for people to people you know admiring your work at the same time. Yeah, absolutely, and it, 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 it's a sense. I'm very humble about what I do, and it's it's not a it's not about ego or anything like that. It's just nice for people to appreciate what we do and what if you're a visual artist or a sculptor or whatever you are. Um, it's nice to have that pat on the back every now and then. Mm-hmm. Oh wow! So you also run um, Ballarat Spoken Word. Do you get that's true? Yeah, yeah. So you do, do you get a regular diverse range of performers and storytellers, to, you know, to musicians, comedians, and first time performers? Uh, I do. Um, when I arrived in Ballarat in February, I left um, Footscray. Um, I was living in an apartment on the Maribyrnong in, um, and my wife and I thought, thought let's get out of Melbourne. So mm-hmm. I, I went. We, we ventured up here to Ballarat and. We were renting a place, and um, I contacted two people I know who ran the poetry before the plague. Um, they were tired. <laughs> they were a bit tired and fatigued, and they thought, we don't want to go ahead with it. And I, I sat down with them, over, with them over a glass of vino and said, do you mind if I take it over and if, if I rebrand it? Um, so I've been running it since March um, this year, um, once a month. Oh, you bet you've revived it. You've given it something else. Yeah, and also I'm quite flamboyant. Yes, and, um, must be a good vibe, different... good energy. Yeah, I got my nails done yesterday. Did you? Oh, gorgeous! <laughs> what colour? They're blue, blue sparkle, and my thumbs are gold. Oh, um, really? Yeah, I'll get them done every three weeks. So uh, you're just in time for Saturday. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, <laughs> and I'm going to leave my hair purple for the show on saturday i had a green last week so um Did you? yeah do you so have a friend that's not, a hairdresser that does it for you or no 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 no, no. i always do mine at home oh, I, do you? I, I clip my hair i um i dye my hair i bleach it and i dye it what are, um, are you a natural blonde or no i was a redhead oh were you okay yeah shamefully a redhead that's yeah okay really <laughs> <laughs> oh wow! So it's probably easy to die for you. Oh well, uh, it's, so uh, it's, it's just um, I just I I love dressing up. I just mm-hmm. love being me, and uh, you know, through our journey in life, um, you have to at a point in time to be you and to be comfortable mm-hmm. in your own skin mm-hmm. and. Believe in what you do, whether it's work or a hobby or whatever mm-hmm. it might be. I'm in that zone. I've been in that zone for about probably six years now. Um, that I'm not afraid to express myself the way I am or who I am or yeah. you know the clothes I wear or my writing style or mm-hmm. um, it's all. I think um, being unique is quite um, advantageous. It just, well, you've got to live yeah. your life. You've got to be yourself. You've got to. Be true we, to yourself. And uh, in one of my one of uh, one of my 
poems I say the only constraint in life we have is ourselves um, and I'm more I talk about not financially we're, we're bound financially by constraints of whether we've got money or not mm-hmm. but um, I I used to always get frustrated when I was working and people say they when I retire I'll go traveling when I retire I might take up that hobby mm-hmm. I don't think you need to wait no um, you can do it now you, you, you must do it now. Um, it's very important to live life and not wait. Um, I think it's generational as well. My my parents waited until they retired before they travelled and then they weren't as mobile. But the way I see life, and I think we're coming out of the plague now, that everyone's got to thinking about why don't we live in the moment mm-hmm. as opposed to in the future. Time um, is precious. It's, yeah. It, it certainly is. And... Um, well, don't wait for next year to do something. Why oh. not do it now? Um, that's my attitude anyway. Mm, talking about you being you, Marty, can you tell me about your name, Marty Monster? So why Marty Monster? Tell me. <laughs> <laughs> um, I grew up in the 70s and 80s. There was a character on television called Marty Monster. Um, Marty Monster. Yeah, <laughs> and um, I didn't want to. I didn't want to represent him because yeah. I thought he was really. I thought he was really creepy on television. I'd, I, I t- didn't watch that show. I can't remember what it was called. But the character I created um, with Daryl Cotton, which is <laughs> was it Daryl Cotton? Okay. No, Cheryl was on the show. Oh, Cheryl, was it Cheryl? Cheryl the Curl. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Back to you. <laughs> <laughs> Back to you. Um, I used to always be called a monster. Um, Why are you uh, tall? Are you really tall? Because the rhyming, the rhyming uh-huh. of Marty Monster and things like that. Uh-huh. And I thought, why not? As a uh, a name, why I spell it M O N S T A R. Um, and so when I hit the poetry scene, I already had the name, so I used that as my pen name. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was interesting at the time too because people want to know what my real name was and I wouldn't disclose it. Um, I liked the aspect of hiding behind uh, a pen name or a stage name, mm-hmm. particularly like David Bowie used to um, with his characters he developed, like Ziggy Stardust mm-hmm. and the Sin White Duke and various things like that, that in life you can present a, a, a character but when you're at home, you can take your shoes and socks off and be yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the monster thing. I, um, I made it a monster and celebrity sort type thing sort mm-hmm. of thing. But um, it's um, <laughs> hardly anybody knows what my real name is, and I'm not going to tell you now. It's not Marty. <laughs> yeah, oh, it is. Yes, it's Martin. 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 Martin, yeah. Oh. Yeah, but my last name, I, I just don't disclose no, it. I use it for legal purposes only. Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. So I hear you've just wrapped up your last play called The Reunion and, you know, you've written a lot of plays. You've written about nine plays. Tell me about The Reunion. I mean, that's just finished up. Well, that was wonderful. Um, A wonderful experience. Wonderful people I was involved with. Um, We started rehearsing in July. Um, The play reunion was about three young women who left high school, agreed to meet 10 years to the day after leaving high school mm-hmm. as a reunion. And they um, they wrote all the instructions in their Pride and Prejudice book from Year 12, which they studied. So they, they meet outside of Ballarat 
um, on this particular day and they haven't seen each other or spoken to each other for the whole 10 years. So it's in three acts to play and it's, it's more of an introductory. They have a picnic and it's beautiful and they talk about their boyfriends and, and what, what's your career and what happened here and there. Um, then I, um, second act, I wrote a, a full moon ritual. Wow. It's probably the most one of the most beautiful things I've ever written. It's it's just absolutely amazing. Um, just the whole process of a full moon ritual, um, and then it starts running, and they run to a mine shaft, and they get trapped in the mine shaft, and it's about mortality, fear, and mm -hmm. obsession. Um, and it was very scary. Um, the, the last act was very scary. People were. I just were they recently shocked? got. Was the, what was oh, the they were. They were really taken back by. So it, was um, it a bad ending, or one of the one of the girls turned ended up being a psychopath. Okay. She had orchestrated um, them to be in the mine shaft, and she was going to kill the other two mm. girls. And it was out of jealousy, um, rage, anger for their um, their story over and above hers. Um, it was quite shocking. Um, and violent in this cave that we had on stage. Mm -hmm. um, and I've just got recently got some feedback yesterday um, that my PR consultant sent through. And, um, yeah, people said they were shocked. But, um, but it was a beautiful ending, I thought, anyway. It was just that I just reminded people, don't – if you get invited to a reunion, don't <laughs> go to the reunion. <laughs> wow, wow. So, yeah, so it was quite dark. It was. It, it didn't lead that way. I, I sort of um, – I wrote a psychological comedy. Um, you know how Stephen King writes psychological mm -hmm. thrillers mm -hmm. and horrors and things. Mm -hmm. But there was very comical moments in it and uh, it was very psychological. And, and I, was, I'm, I look back on my past and spending two and a half years doing a degree in psychology has just um, given me so much insight mm -hmm into character development mm -hmm. and into relationships and the way we communicate, the way we bond with people and our own personality traits. And if you're in a stressful situation or mortality is a question that's raised, um, we take on other people's um, personalities and traits and um, it's everything's compromised. Um, and I, that, I'm very well known for the, my character development and the insight into the characters and how they relate to other people as well. Mm, wow. I talk a lot. Yeah, I don't mind. <laughs> I like a good yarn. <laughs> <laughs> that's okay that's fine okay so okay now we're talking about so you've played in a few bands and you play the electrical cello like yeah like, the electric cello gosh um, is, yes. that, is that hard to play no it's a uh, it, it's a basically the same as playing a cello but um it's it's in a different shape um mine's just got the form of a body of a um a cello and it's hollow and what you do is you plug it into an amplifier and you can distort sound coming out of the electric cello um i get some crazy sounds out of mine it's um just a beautiful instrument and um and it, you can have it sounding like a, a a normal cello or you can put it through the amplifier and just um make distortion sounds or droning or that sort of effect that's what i oh, like to um Get out of the electric cello. Does it produce like the same sound like an ordinary cello? 
You can, if you set the amplifier to that setting, I bought a beautiful amp that I can just um, add distortion to the nth degree. I'm just inspired by distortion and, and chaos um, when you hear music. Um, Ruckus. So I, I had, a, had a band in Melbourne with a chap called George O'Hara and um, we were called Methylated Spirits. Oh, can, um, can I tell you? And I was on... When you told Pardon? me methylated spirits when, the other day, when you were telling me that your band was called methylated spirits, so I can always remember when I was little. Whenever we had like a, a cough or we were really sick to do with our necks, my mum—this was like this old Greek remedy—would give us a tablespoon of this blue methylated spirits no. with, with a tablespoon of honey afterward, and it would fix it. I don't know. And we talk about no. it to this day. Uh, is it, yep. um, I'm is telling it, you. Do you get drunk on methylated spirits or is I, it um, – It's an awful taste, but I, I can always <laughs> remember it, it was blue and my mum would give me a tablespoon of methylated spirits and a tablespoon of honey and she would just like force it on us and, you know, I think we'd got better. But, yeah, so any, anyway, back to you about methylated spirits. <laughs> no, well, it's um, – I, I, I love the smell of um, kerosene when I was younger. Um, wow. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, what, talk what back we, to you about what, your band. What were we talking about? Your band, Methylated Spirits. Oh yeah. Um, George and I, um, we did open mics around Melbourne. Um, mm -hmm. He was on keyboard and, and laptop, and we did a lot of crazy sounds. And I um, sort of sang and screamed mm -hmm. a lot of haikus and just observations that I had got through my poetry. Yeah. And um, there was a fantastic band. Um, oh, they were just a duo um, coming out of the 70s and 80s. Um, they called? they were called Suicide. Oh, yes. I know Suicide, yeah. You do? Yeah, they're good. Frankie Teardrop. Mm. Alan Vega and Martin Rev, um, I've read a lot about them. And yeah. I, every night they went on to do a set, they didn't know if they were going to come back alive. <laughs> um, yeah, they, wow. they were a great band, and they influenced a lot of other bands like Dark Punk and all through mm -hmm. that electronic music coming out of the 80s and that sort of thing as well. Yeah, that was, that was sort of electronic punk back in 1971, yeah. 72. Um, if you want to ask me about music, I'll tell you everything if you want to know. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you, you should come on um, some of the shows we have here at Radio Caram. They do a lot of... Uh, music shows where they ask you questions. I'm a walking encyclopedia. Are you? Well, maybe I'll just have to hook you up here with some people. <laughs> I love it. You could just do another phone in. Um, so, anyway, when and um, where can they catch The Wrong Horse? Okay. Um, the Wrong Horse is pl um, playing at La Mama Courthouse uh -huh. at... I think it's 249 or 349 Drummond Street, Carlton. Uh-huh. It's under La Mama Courthouse. Yeah. It's this Saturday, the 8th of October at 2 p.m. That's fine. And where can people find you on the socials? Okay, um, under Marty Monster on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Or through my um, PR consultant, who is Katrina Mathers of Sherry Hands Media. Uh -huh. She does all my marketing. Um, she's just an absolutely wonderful lady and a rock um, because being a writer, producer or director or whatever, you're really neurotic. She sort of centres me. Um, and um, 
so ma- mainly Facebook. Um, there is so an event page up there. you're not even on Instagram. That- you're not on Insta, are you? Nah. Oh, I, why? Well, I wouldn't be able to. No, because I, <laughs> you're I so probably busy. wouldn't do anything else. I know. Is I know. It- if you go out, if you cross over the line, don't you? You never come back. You end up like Kim Kardashian or something like that. I don't want to go there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's fine. So I also would like to thank you because you've um, offered um, Radio Caram ten complimentary free tickets to see the Wrong Horse for um, this Saturday. Um, for any Radio Caram listeners, um, so if anyone would like a ticket, you know, um, please contact me or the studio, or you, you know, you could um, con. Call the studio on 0493213831 or myself. Um, you can find me on the. And I'm happy, um, Tina, for you to give my number also if uh, people want to contact me so I can put their name on the door if they're interested in coming for that complimentary ticket. Okay, yep. Did you want to? Say it on the oh, nope, that's fine. I can pass it on. I can find it. So it sounds like Marty, it's going to be like you know, this fun, you know, entertaining, comical, you know, unique, you know, play about friendship. Um, I'm so very Melbourne to it, so looking forward to it, and um, I'm so looking forward to meeting you as well. Thank you very much. Um, I've really enjoyed talking to you, Tina. Um, Look, we'll have a vino after the show. Of course. On, um, of course. Yeah. Of course. Um, thank you so much, Marty, for coming on the show. That's okay. And also, if you want a, um, my recipe for mulled wine, I can provide oh, that to you as I well. I would love that. I love – oh, wow, <laughs> wicked. Oh, nice. Because oh, Ballarat's I, in permanent winter, so you <laughs> – Is it? I, I didn't realise. I didn't realise when I moved here that Ballarat will be in permanent winter. Um, oh, I'm sure <laughs> the sun shines, you know, in Ballarat as well. It does, yeah. Oh, no, it's good. It's a good – it's a good sea change. Oh, okay. All the best. Thanks. Thank you, Marty. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. And I hope to see everybody on Saturday. Saturday, for sure.